Well, yeah, thank you for seeing me today, Dr. Gilbert. Yes, Neil, no problem. I was glad to book your first meeting at the urgent recommendation of all your friends and family. This obsession of yours seems to be coming at the cost of the relationships with people you love most. You mean my interest in Scooby-Doo? Precisely. Well, I wouldn't really call it an obsession. You're 26 years old. Mm, that's correct. Or 27, depending on when this goes live. And you still watch a consistent amount of Scooby-Doo? Mm, yeah, but mostly the 2000s movies and sometimes the cartoon. <sighs> Alright. Explain to me how far back this interest in Scooby-Doo goes. Hmm, probably back to 2002 when the live-action movie was released. I was eight years old and I fell in love with the franchise right away. Every day after school, I would watch What's New Scooby-Doo, absolutely adore Simple Plan. Then, the 60s show, late at night on Teletoon. From there, I ate Scooby-Doo breakfast cereal, and I went to Canada's Wonderland every summer to take pictures of the Scooby-Doo mascots. You see, Mike and I record our podcast from Toronto, Ontario. But, what really was peak Scooby-Doo fan fiction for me were the GameCube games. You mean to say the console with the little discs? That's the one. That console was so cool. Heck yeah, and the Scooby-Doo games were wonderful. Puzzles were great for children, and the stories and music were very true to the source content. I used my birthday money one year to buy Scooby-Doo Unmasked, and I played it to death. My cousin and I bonded over Knights of 100 Frights at our cottage one summer. And then there was Mystery Mayhem, which I haven't played yet, but I will definitely pick it up as soon as possible. Oh, if only there was a podcast I could check out to relive those joyous days on the Nintendo GameCube. Well, Doc, I think it's about time we pass this very weird opening to Victor to hit us with that tasty jingle. So Mike, just before we get into the episode, I do need to make a correction since I was listening to our episode 23 where we were talking about uh, Resident Evil. Uh, I said I said Claire Redfield is the brother of Chris Redfield. That's obviously incorrect. Claire Redfield is the sister of Chris Redfield, not the brother. So I'm sorry for the uh, – I mixed up the genders there. But <laughs> I'm, I'm sure I'm probably the only one that noticed, but who knows? You're definitely the only one who noticed. Uh, I'd yeah. also like to uh, just give a shout-out to to our uh, our new theme song there again uh, mm-hmm. for the second week in a row. This is the second Halloween-themed episode, so kind of cool to hear some spookiness uh, to get into the season. Yep, it definitely got me in the mood. And um, if you're listening to this in the summer, well, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I, I, watch, I watch scary movies in the summer sometimes, yeah, too. It's fine. Yeah. Some people watch Christmas movies in July, like whatever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and totally I can't fine. wait for December when we have, you know, the movie the movie tie-in episode and we'll, and we have the die-in. A die-hard mm-hmm. is going to be there and we can have the argument whether die-hard's a Christmas movie I'm or not. I'm so sick of that argument. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have to play it up. Yeah, oh yeah, obviously. I'm going to play that it's not, so you can play it up because you like to annoy me. I'll say that it is. Okay, fair enough. I'll be the opposite side of that saying it is not. Because Christmas movies need to have Santa and everything. And I know it's a Christmas party and everything, but... What if Bruce Willis is Santa, though? See? I can't accept that. Mm. (laughs) Yeah, I can't accept that as a theory. Nope. Well, in Unbreakable, he doesn't die, so, you know... That's true. He can't Has anybody proven that you can't kill Santa? Is that a thing? (laughs) We'll find out. We will on the Die Hard episode, I suppose. I also said in the uh, the last episode that, uh, you know, Resident Evil games, they sell like gangbusters. And I just had to listen to that. And I was like, what the hell is a gangbuster? Yeah, good point. What is a gangbuster? Did you find this out? 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. So according to <laughs> Google.com, the dictionary on Google, uh, it has two definitions. The first one is a police officer or other person who takes part in breaking up criminal gangs. Sure. Ga- gangbuster. Literally a gangbuster. Literally a gangbuster. But that didn't make any sense for the expression. So <laughs> no. it also just means very successful. But, but Selling sh- like very successful. But yeah, I was going to say, wouldn't the very successful come from the idiom? Like, exactly. Like, so it, yeah, there's it, there's no real origin story here. I couldn't I didn't dig that deep, but I couldn't find any like real definition as to what a gangbuster is. So from now on, I think I'm just going to say it was selling like hotcakes because to me, that makes a lot more sense. Selling like hotcakes. Yeah. Yeah. Gang, gangbusters is like a weird thing that has just like seeped into to North American English. I'm sure it's not a British thing. Like, no, I can't. I can't picture a British person saying gangbusters. Selling like gangbusters. Yeah. No, doesn't doesn't feel right. Not at all. I'm just going to say selling like chocolate cake because I don't know what the hell a hot cake is. I don't eat those. Oh, do you? yeah. Oh, na- yeah. See, now we're into another. <laughs> You're yeah. just going deeper. I'm going deeper even deeper than hole. that. Like, I'm guessing a hot cake is like a hot cross bun or like a cinnamon roll thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. A hot cake. Yeah. That's yeah. That makes sense. You know? Yeah. Some kind you don't of see like a tart. I, I suppose, but I don't see too many like hotcake stands out there. I see a lot more chocolate cakes out there than I see hotcakes. <laughs> They're gonna say you see a lot more chocolate cake stands, and I'm just gonna be like, "Wow, if you see those, let me know yeah, where just, those are." Just, just you know, a guy in the middle of the mall peddling a, a chocolate cake. Chocolate cake here, get your chocolate cake. Just carry it home in your hands. <laughs> just, <laughs> I would personally love a chocolate cake vendor just strolling around handing do out it. cake. If this whole podcast thing doesn't work out, we could definitely start a chocolate cake stand. I like that. <laughs> I, I do too. <laughs> So from now on, Resident Evil games sold like chocolate cake. (laughs) So a little bit of video game news here. Let's talk about some Nintendo. Uh, Super Mario 3D All-Stars, the game, Mike, that you and I, of course, willed into existence, uh, has now sold, or as of end of September, sold 1.8 million units. Yeah. Oh, Oh, that's digital only. That's digital. So last month, we didn't know how many it was, so... That includes digital as well. Okay. So probably by now we're looking at we're almost at the end of October, so it has to have passed two million by now. Mm-hmm. Um, that's pretty good for a one month and change on the market. Yeah, for three games that have already been out for mm-hmm. twenty plus years, for at least one of them. <laughs> yep. I, I feel that's probably what Nintendo would have estimated it at. You know, about uh, about two million at this time, and I'm sure they're going to get a big bump around the holiday season. Yeah, for, uh, and I to sell more. I'm sure they will, and they said when the game came out that it would be a limited-only game, like, until March. Like, right? They they said they were only going to print it until March or April or something. Yeah, and uh, they're doing that again now with the Fire Emblem 30th uh, anniversary. So I think... That, I think. Do you think that they'll stick with that? I think this is going to be... I think this is something that's going to gonna stick, because oh my God. this is the Nintendo way. We don't like our history, but people keep clamoring for stuff, so here you go. Have it for a limited time. This could be the way of video games in general going forward, just with everything going digital, for publishers to be printing out tens of millions of copies of a game only for them to sit on shelves, and eventually they end up in the used market where the publishers make no money on those resells. It makes sense, honestly, to just sell a limited number for half a year and then have it all be digital. It's not great for people like us who are collectors, but it takes up just a, it just makes business sense. Like if I was a publisher, I'd probably want something, a system like this too, mm-hmm. to be honest. It's just, just looking at money and... Yeah, that's, and that's fair. Yeah, trying to push people towards digital, which is what the future is going to be. And, and like when vinyl comes out, records, it's the same deal. Like they sell it new for a few months to a year and then it gets harder and harder to find a new vinyl after a while. You have to look for it used. Yeah, I mean, that's like that. that's already what video game stores are like, you know, mm-hmm. finding you really can buy something within the six months anyways. The not having it digitally after March feels weird. I don't get that. that. That's very strange. Yeah, yeah. that's that's a Nintendoism for sure. 
That's a very strange. I, I don't know what the benefit of that is at all. <laughs> exactly. That's why. That's why it's a Nintendoism. If you can't see the benefit for it, that's Nintendo did it. That's a good point. Yeah, I can't think of it. <laughs> unless there's like a game that comes out and it's politically incorrect or just peep, there's something wrong with it. It's glitchy. It doesn't work. Maybe take it down. But to have a game like Super Mario 3D All Stars, which is what people have been asking for since 1995 when Super Mario 64 came out. They were automatically asking for a remake of that game. Um, but like just to be asking for this game now for 20 years, like it's it seems strange to only have it up for six months. Yeah, but very much. That's weird. So let's move on to some sports talk. Last night was a very uh, very big game in the uh, the fall classic, as some folks like to refer to it as. Um, Tampa and L.A. Uh, you wanted to talk about the last inning or the last play of the game. Yeah, the last play of the, the Tampa. This is a game for the World Series of 2020 for whenever you're listening to this podcast. But, uh, you know, the World Series is probably over by now, or it should be by the time you listen to this. <laughs> but uh, Probably. <laughs> uh, but the uh, the play that happened, it was going to be the final out. It was, you know, looked like a win for the Los Angeles Dodgers. And this no-name guy, a buddy, just comes off the bench and hits a single off of the closer. Already a very, very hard thing to do with two outs, pressure the World Series. Mm-hmm. And then the guy in uh, right field bobbles the ball. So it allows a run to score to tie the game. And then mm-hmm. when the guy from right field throws it to home, the catcher bobbles the ball. The crazy part about this is that the Tampa Bay uh, runner who's running from third to home doesn't know what the hell's going on and trips up while the ball is being thrown. So he's out. There's no way that he's going to be safe. But mm-hmm. then the catcher drops it. And so then he goes home and they win the game. The catcher didn't even drop it. The, the ball went way to the backstop. Like, it was a bad throw. Oh, it was terrible. Yeah. yeah. And, and to make two errors on one play in the in the bottom of the ninth of the, the World Series is like... With two out, two on. It was a good hit. Like, it was hit between the first and the second baseman, hit to what, right field. Yeah. And then just a bobble. Like, the, the right fielder almost had it, knocked it off his glove. He had to go a few feet to the to the left, and then he had to throw it. It wasn't a good throw. You can see him do, like, a twirl when he yeah. threw it because it was just a... Just a last-ditch effort throw. And it looked like the catcher was going to get it because I guess he was just under the pressure of the runner coming in from third. But then the ball popped off his glove too and then bounced like yeah. 15 feet off home plate <laughs> and the runner just went in to score. So yeah. it was – it, sh- it should have been an easy out. Like, it, yeah, uh, especially since he fell down. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> like, that's I know he was tagging up because as a third base coach, I wouldn't know what to do. Like, that's yeah. crazy. <laughs> Yeah. Go. But, uh, no, don't go. Actually, go, maybe? <laughs> <laughs> there's, they didn't, there's no rule for this. It was an amazing finish. <laughs> that, that felt like uh, us playing baseball. Yeah, right? <laughs> it felt like a rec league softball game, but that was now it's uh, the series is tied up 2-2. Mm-hmm. Again, this is all irrelevant information because by the time this... Uh, this goes live. This the World Series have, will have already been over, but it, it will have. But it's still a cool moment in sports. Like I always like watching. It's almost like a blooper now at this point. Like, oh, this is going to be on blooper reels forever. Yeah, like, and that's honestly now. the best part of sports are blooper reels. Let's <laughs> <laughs> be real. Yeah, uh, hey, that's 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 what we stick around to see. Is, is that's see what most bloopers. people are watching sports for is to watch injuries and bloopers happen. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, that's why people watch NASCAR. Oh, absolutely. You're just waiting for a car crash. <laughs> there's, a, there's a good Simpsons bit where, like, Peter kills death in a very Family Guy-esque uh, moment. Uh, Do you mean, wait, you mean Homer kills death? Or, sorry, yeah, Homer kills death. Yeah. And, and okay. Like, Peter also killed death in Family Guy. But, he did. Uh, yeah. And Lisa's like, what's going to happen now? Uh, it's like, uh, NASCAR will be pointless to watch. <laughs> Dude, it's so true. Oh, man. Even if I was guaranteed of watching a car crash, I can't watch. Just, you're in the heat. You're watching just cars ride in circles. If the accidents were really bad, maybe it'd be like watching burnout. Yeah, I'm not a I'm not a racing guy like watching it in real time. I'm a bit I'm like I like watching them on TV. It's, it's the way racing was meant to be. 
I like watching the last 10 seconds of a race. Nice. <laughs> you just need to watch the finish line, really. Yep. What else are you watching at that point? Yep. I got one more topic before we mm. get into the show. Mike, who buys Halloween greeting cards? <laughs> you always see them, don't you? You always see them on, on the on the stands, and uh, mm-hmm. I've never received a Halloween greeting card. I, nope. I, I, I imagine it's the Ned Flanders of the world, you know? <laughs> yeah, the, the yeah. neighborly neighbors. <laughs> yeah. I guess or grandparents. I was talking about this with my girlfriend, and she said, "Oh, maybe the, maybe it's maybe it's uh, grandparents." I think grandparents are stuck on e cards now. I think that's yeah. <laughs> that's where that's where the money is for the grandparents. <laughs> that's where the money is. <laughs> it's true, but like, there's a lot of them. I know. <laughs> like like I had to go and I was looking for a uh, you know my sister's moving out. I was looking for a move out card. Oh, just that's like a hey, nice, good. That's nice. That's a nice thing. That, yeah, you know, I, I don't I don't love greeting cards, but like you have to sometimes. Mm-hmm. I get it. It's it's the whole social thing to do. There was two. Um, neither of them were great, so I ended up settling on a card that is basically like a card for someone you're never gonna see again. Oh, yikes! Because I, I thought it would be, I thought it'd be funny. Like it's just like so long and farewell. Like it sounds bad. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought that would be appropriate. I saw, I saw a good uh, farewell card the other day. Actually, it's uh, so long and it's a very long wiener dog who is across the entire card. That's cute. Yeah, I like the that. dollar store did not have that. The one that I was at. <laughs> But the Halloween section was huge, and they had a few Thanksgiving cards left too, which is weird. <laughs> Halloween gre- or Thanksgiving greeting cards is a whole other thing. Yeah, what's but... worse, Halloween uh, greeting cards or Thanksgiving greeting cards? I think Halloween is worse because yeah. people don't get together as family for family things at Halloween. It just be so weird to get a Thanksgiving card. I don't know. I know, maybe, right? Maybe like, this what's... is an American thing. Americans comment, tell us, let us know. Yeah, we do have a lot of American listeners, so everyone don't forget to go out and vote uh, while you're out there buying your Halloween greeting cards. That's right. I think this is the last episode before the election, so make sure to vote Scooby-Doo for president. Write in vote, please. Vote for Scooby-Doo, because ladies and gentlemen, this is episode 24 of the GameCube is Cool podcast. We have new episodes every Thursday morning on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. You can follow us on Instagram and now Facebook at the GameCube pod, or you could search for us. We are the GameCube was Cool podcast. Please write an article about us if you work for a magazine or any kind of website that uh, is a reputable published website or whatever. Uh, We do need to uh, become legit and to do that we want to have a wikipedia page and we need a legitimate article written about us so get out there and and do your thing uh we are the number one gamecube podcast on the internet we are here to look back on all 555 north american gamecube games one by one sometimes 12 by 12 if it's a lot of sports games last week we covered resident evil 1 resident evil 2 resident evil 3 resident evil 0 and resident evil code veronica x Evil. If you haven't listened to that episode yet, please go back and take a look. We think it's really good. It's our first Halloween special. This week is our second Halloween special. We are talking about the three Scooby-Doo games on the Nintendo GameCube. Mm-hmm. And we're just going to be talking about Scooby-Doo in general as a franchise and just as a cultural phenomenon because uh, I've done some research and Scooby-Doo is a pretty interesting thing. And obviously yep. Neil is uh, the biggest Scooby-Doo fan that I know. Mm-hmm. Proud of it. Yeah, I've been a huge Scooby-Doo fan since uh, since I was very young. We had our little uh, short there that I edited and recorded all by myself where I kind of talk about how my uh, obsession with Scooby-Doo began when I was a kid. Uh, yeah, Mike, since you've known me pretty much, I've been a Scooby-Doo fan, and it just kind of, it became like a meme after a while. Like, I just started to like it more and more as a joke, <laughs> but it's kind of serious now. <laughs> It's a huge. It's it, it's my favorite cartoon, probably all in all, like yeah. next to like SpongeBob. I just love the the art style of it. I love Halloween. It was a big part of my childhood with the movies and with going to a theme park near Mike and I, where we live. There's Canada's Wonderland, uh, which is in Ontario, where we uh, we both live, 
And uh, yeah, I just love the characters and and the themes of everything. It's the same episode over and over again. Yes, yes, uh, it is. When, yeah. I, when you like me, when you buy the box set of Scooby Doo, uh, Where Are You from the 1960s and 70s, and you watch all the episodes back to back, you start to notice a pattern <laughs> emerging. <laughs> yep. Uh, and similar animations, and sometimes it's literally the, it is almost always this, the exact same animations in every episode because you know production budgets were smaller back then and resources were limited. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we're going to be talking a lot about uh, the movies and the show as well in this episode. Mike and I are huge fans of voice acting. We we love to watch uh, old Nickelodeon shows. Mike loves Futurama and Simpsons. So we we always like to see where the voice actors started and where they ended up. And it's just a it's just a crazy industry that there's YouTube videos. Oh yeah, I, I love watching the voice mm-hmm. actors actually do their craft. That is the weirdest and coolest thing ever. I don't know mm-hmm. if it, if anyone hasn't watched you know someone like Billy West or Phil Lamar. Mm-hmm. do voices it's it's a treat for sure if you go on youtube and check that out yeah there's a whole youtube series based on that and you and i are watching that at the cottage this summer and it, it was just mind-blowing <laughs> to see where actors worked and how it's like oh yeah they, they did that too and then you start to hear how they sound the characters yeah. sound similar but you never <laughs> made that connection until they pointed out oh of course not yeah and it's such a cool craft and i think it's something that everyone can kind of get behind you know i've mm-hmm. talked to, i've talked to people about voice acting who are uh, gamers, you know, like us, or are kind of in the 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 nerd spectrum, I guess, of of mm-hmm. things. And obviously, they they think that like find that cool. But you can also talk to people who have no interest in in games or really didn't watch too many cartoons. But everyone understands how talented voice actors are, and even older generations, like our parents, especially understand the how voice actors were treated back in the day by Disney, you know, and, mm-hmm. and how voice actors were never credited. You know, even if you don't really know much about that world, you, it's weird how everyone has some kind of tie to uh, to voice acting and, and definitely respects it as an art. It's almost like when you, you're talking about a character, a cartoon character, because our parents grew up, they were probably the first generation that really had connections with cartoon characters because characters were given voices and personalities and it's almost as if you're talking about a friend that you used to have as a kid yeah like you hear your parents talking about bugs bunny and scooby-doo and the jetsons and the flintstones and it's like talking about a friend that you used to know when you were a kid and then when when they come back in live action movies uh it's almost like a reunited uh, a reunion of seeing these friends again and then introducing them to the next generation uh it's just a cool way of getting like parents introducing their children and their grandchildren now to uh to old franchises that, that are given new life, like in the new movie Scoob, which I haven't seen yet, but I'm sure that it's going to get tons of kids into Scooby-Doo now. Which is weird to think, right? Because like for mm-hmm. that, you know, it's almost like a another blip in the Scooby-Doo universe, which has had so many blips. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and especially lately, there's been, you know, a lot of Scooby-Doo stuff has been critically panned. So mm-hmm. for us, obviously, we don't think of of that Scooby-Doo, we think of you know the 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 '60s Scooby-Doo and the '70s Scooby-Doo, and obviously the um, Scooby-Doo Where Are You, which is uh, or no, what's new Scooby-Doo? Sorry, uh, right. which which was uh, aired in the early 2000s, which is what we grew up on mostly. Yeah, every generation has a Scooby-Doo series. Yeah. There's been a lot. It's been rebooted in a way <laughs> a dozen times now. Uh, yeah. There's Be Cool Scooby-Doo now, I think, is the newest one. It's on. There's Netflix versions of it. It's got more than two live-action movies. I, You and I only know the two live-action movies from 2002 and 2004, but there have been a bunch. Yes. They're all very lower budget than Scooby-Doo 1 and 2. Very campy, yeah. Very campy and not nearly as uh, not nearly as great as a cast as Scooby Doo, the first Scooby Doo movie in two thousand two. Mm-hmm. Do you think this is a good time to uh, to talk about some the history of Mister Scoobert? Sure. Let me dive back into the history of Scooby Doo way back before Mike and I were even close to being born. Scooby Doo, what a night for a night! 
as in K-N-I-G-H-T, aired on CBS on September 13th, 1969. This was a, a brand new series, and it went on all the way through the 70s. Uh, it sparked movies um, and episodes still coming out to this day. Um, there have been video games. There have been theme parks based around Scooby-Doo, snacks, cereals. The show was written uh, by Joe Ruby and Ken Spears for Hanna-Barbera. Uh, most people would know Hanna-Barbera for shows like The Jetsons and The Flintstones, and then Hanna-Barbera, and then later on Warner Brothers, who acquired the Scooby-Doo franchise. They now have the Scooby-Doo license. That's why we saw Scooby-Doo in the video game Lego Dimensions. Do you remember that game? Yep. Yep. Yeah, that was kind of like the Toys to Life game where you had all these different dimensions, like uh, Simpsons was there, Portal, Jurassic Park, and Scooby-Doo. Okay. Yeah. So there's been many spinoffs, obviously, in the last now 50 years since Scooby-Doo came out. There's been television specials, made-for-TV movies. Uh, there's a line of direct-to-video films, which I remember in the late mm-hmm. 90s and early yep. 2000s coming out multiple times a year. Uh, and then there was two Warner Brothers produced theatrical films. That's when that's when I jumped into the series, which was 2002 with the first Scooby-Doo live-action movie. I remember specifically when that movie came out. I didn't see it in theaters. I rented it from Blockbuster one weekend, and that's really probably the starting point of when my obsession with the franchise began. <laughs> Um, I then went back and found the old Scooby-Doo cartoons, which were airing on Teletoon. That's how I jumped into the franchise, Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? And I watched it every night with my parents, and yeah. and they got to, like what I said earlier, they got to say, oh, I remember when this episode was out, and I was 10, <laughs> or whatever it was. It, it's really funny. I haven't seen, I have seen every original episode, because I have the box set, and I've seen every episode of What's New Scooby-Doo? And I've seen both live-action films, but other than that, I haven't seen a ton of the other spin-off things. Mike, I yeah. know you mentioned that you've seen a bunch of, or you did a bunch of research on the crossover movies. Did you want to talk a little bit about those? I did, I did. And yeah. I do have a lot to talk about for the history as well, but uh, but I'll just keep it to this right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, I'm not sure people are aware, but Scooby-Doo is a crossover king. Scooby-Doo is one of the first uh, really just series ever to kind of really push the crossover. And a lot of that reason was because CBS, the uh, who was uh, airing um, Scooby Doo at the time, needed money, <laughs> and uh, and they worked with Hanna Barbera to kind of have a free license almost with Scooby Doo, and Scooby Doo was in everything. Mm-hmm. And these are some of my favorite crossovers. Uh, of course, Batman is probably the most famous one. Yeah, uh, Scooby Doo has been in countless Batman um, comic books and live action and not live action series. Uh, there's two episodes of the Hanna-Barbera's, uh, the new Scooby-Doo movies in 1972. Uh, Scooby-Doo required the help of Gotham's Dark Knight to solve mysteries involving <laughs> the Joker and the Penguin. Uh, <laughs> uh, it actually went to serve as a basis for a 2018 feature-length movie, Scooby-Doo and Batman, The Brave and the Bold, which is though so it's actually a, uh, a full movie. Kevin Conroy is in there. Oh, so, wow. Yeah, it's real. Is Mark Hamill in that one, too? I don't think so. No. Oh, okay. Yeah. Dang. Uh, my second favorite, Johnny Bravo meets Scooby-Doo. <laughs> oh, love it. In the episode Bravo Dooby-Doo in, <laughs> in Bravo's first season, it's uh, Johnny Bravo with Mystery Inc., uh, and they're going to a creepy house where Johnny's aunt Jebediza uh, lives, uh, and they encounter a scary gardener ghost. That's the first season? Yeah, apparently. I don't remember uh, this. <laughs> they really used Scooby-Doo early in Johnny Bravo. My third favorite is the episode Scooby Natural, where Scooby-Doo and the Supernatural cast in season three get oh animated. <laughs> what? Yeah, and so that's not a Scooby-Doo episode. That's a Supernatural episode where okay. it's animated and Scooby-Doo is in there. Supernatural, what? one of those weird shows that is really long running. Yep. And I feel everyone watches it and no one watches it at the same time. 
No, and a lot of people that I've met in the, over the years have talked about watching a season or two, but surprisingly, no one's ever mentioned a Scooby-Doo crossover. To you, they should be. To me. Yeah. That should have been like just the way I made friends. <laughs> My fourth favorite is Scooby-Doo meets Chef Bobby Flay. <laughs> <laughs> what happens when professional chefs go up against the supernatural? We get movies like Scooby-Doo and The Gourmet Ghost, yet another direct-to-video Scooby-Doo film. How is Scooby-Doo not incorporated with more chefs? He's the ultimate foodie. Exactly, yeah. Him and Shaggy. Uh, Bobby Flay is revealed to be Fred's uncle. Is that canon? I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't think so. Maybe. <laughs> There's also other celebrity chefs who arrive, such as uh, Marcus Samuelson and Gia De Laurentiis. So, okay. Giada, I don't know how it's her name. Yeah. And my... Uh, my Two favorites here as well are Scooby-Doo meets WWE and John Cena. Sure. And Scooby-Doo meets Kiss. I thought that was going to be your number one favorite. That one's got to be the best one. Scooby-Doo is very good for the Kiss one. Uh, Yeah, they... Uh, The actual KISS members are voicing their cartoon counterparts. Uh, Plot-wise, it revolves around a KISS-themed amusement park that is haunted by a witch Mm -hmm. who is looking for a magical diamond. That reminds me of one of the games that we're going to be talking about today. There's always a theme park. I like it when the theme parks are involved. It makes it great. There's there's also an episode of What's New Scooby-Doo where the band Simple Plan, one of my favorite childhood bands, is in the episode, and they also voice their characters. I've seen that episode so many... Yeah, (laughs) I've seen that episode so many times, and I know the band Simple Plan. I've watched... I've seen all their, I've listened to all their albums. I've seen all their music videos. I've seen them in concert several times that I can actually notice when the characters, voice actors are wrong. Yeah. (laughs) There's a few where like they use the bassist and the guitar player for the wrong character animations. And it's, I think I'm the only one that noticed it, but uh, it's, it's hard not to notice for me since I'm such a huge (laughs) Scooby-Doo and Simple Plan fan. The two went hand in hand with what's new Scooby-Doo since Simple Plan obviously did the theme song for that great show. I do have a couple of the notables here. The Monkees singer Davy Jones in 1972 appeared when mm-hmm. Scooby-Doo still had a laugh track, which is something mm. that people forget about. Yeah, uh, not me. Which is really strange to have a laugh track in Scooby-Doo, and we're going we're gonna to see that actually in the cutscenes of a couple of these games. Yep. Uh, Sonny and Cher were both on Scooby-Doo. Mm. Uh, Harvey Birdman, attorney at law, the old uh, Adult Swim yes. uh, show, had Scooby-Doo. Mm-hmm. Uh, Teen Titans had a Scooby-Doo episode. Uh, my personal favorite, Super Friends, uh, where the Hall of Justice is haunted by seven ghosts, and the Super Friends literally say that they don't have time for this. So they give the gang superpowers to deal with it. <laughs> These are great. Oh, yeah, honestly, the Scooby-Doo universe is really, really weird, and the fandom is even crazier. Like, I've, I've never seen so many... Uh, fan fiction articles, DeviantArt, mm-hmm. all kinds of stuff from these communities. And it's been going on for like 60 years almost now, which yeah. is just ridiculous. Yeah, compared to other fans, I'm a casual. Yeah. Like I, yeah. I know that I talk a lot about it and I have Scooby-Doo things and memorabilia around my house. But in terms of just, like you said, fan art and things like that, I'm not into that. I just I just like I just like it. Yeah. Uh-huh. And the you can go to the uh, – there's a great article on the comicsbeat.com that's called Into the scooby Doobieverse, uh, an intro <laughs> to the massive shared cartoon universe that connects mm-hmm. all of Scooby-Doo and that you never knew existed. That sounds like a place I need to jump into <laughs> and then never come out. And then never come out. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, we have our first guest of the show today. Joining us today is Chris. Chris, do you buy greeting cards for your family at Halloween, or is that just weird? Hey, um, actually, <laughs> actually, no, I don't. I don't do that. That's a little weird. Do that? Do people do that? Yeah, I think so because I was at the dollar store the other day, and they had this massive like uh, selection of Halloween cards, and I just thought it was the dumbest thing. That's probably like a fun thing for like little little kids to do and stuff like that. But I think you know, I don't. I don't think us grown-ups do that stuff. I'm pretty sure even as a kid, I never got, uh, like, how... I like, didn't either, no. Yeah, I just... yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, who was buying those? 
the the best part of the year was Valentine's Day when you could bring like little cards and, cl- and like candy and stuff. That yeah, was, that you was... got lots of chocolate and all that. Yeah, that was a fun one. <laughs> that was that was the best day. Uh, Chris, man, I gotta say I miss you. I haven't seen you since it's been a year. Like the Halloween party. I your know, house last dude. Year, right? COVID. I, I I hate you, COVID. I hate you. <laughs> yeah, and you've had a big year. I've seen you. You've moved and everything. It's great, man. Yeah, man. I'm on my own now. Just like you know, I got all my. Uh, nintendo consoles set up and you know i could just blast it in my underwear and you know i'm just trying <laughs> mario 64 it's good man it's been good so chris we Heck we, yeah, we ask this question uh for every new guest and we want to ask you this uh growing up what color gamecube did you have so uh yo i got yo my mom blessed well actually technically it was santa mm, but you know I'm, santa, I'm old yeah. now i know it was my mom she was, <laughs> yeah she was lying uh but my mom blessed me with the uh indigo gamecube that came with super mario sunshine oh sweet oh dude that's awesome yeah that was a good one that was awesome now definitely a good christmas now was your mom smart enough to buy you a memory card as well guess what yes she was oh wow that's huge yeah my mom like you know she she was thinking man she was thinking (laughs) dude 90 percent of parents didn't and like every time we have people on they just say yeah i just played the first 20 minutes of this game over and over again (laughs) until my birthday yeah i noticed that i I noticed like i listen to the podcast every week and i'm hearing these people don't have a memory card and i'm like what (laughs) it's (laughs) <laughs> your mom was was smart you were one of the lucky ones i was yep. i was i was <laughs> all right so today we're talking about scooby-doo and this is a franchise that you know a little bit about obviously you watched the show and you played a few of the games so chris take us back what got you into scooby-doo were you were you like me were you a fan of the movies or the show what like what what was the first memory of scooby-doo you have so for me my mom's favorite childhood show for her was scooby-doo so she would watch that all the really? time when she was growing up and since that was her favorite childhood show she pushed that on to me, and it, it's one of my favorite childhood shows now, too. I Honestly, I love it. I like the original. I like the what's new, what's new Scooby-Doo? What's new Scooby-Doo? Coming after you. Yeah, yeah man. <laughs> that theme song's awesome, dude. It is, honestly. Um, and the movies were great, too. Yeah, and the games. So I know this is the GameCube pod. This is the Cube. This is yeah, the Cube pod. It still is cool. I actually didn't even know that Scoob was on the Cube. Yeah. I never played a Scooby game on the uh, the GameCube. I had a um, I had a Game Boy Color game, uh, and that was sick. Mm. I remember Dude, I had my one? lime green uh, Game Boy Color man. Ooh. I got that yeah, game. Man. I got that classic. Uh, it's called the uh, Scooby Doo Classic Creep Capers. Classic Creep. I'm looking it up right now. Let me see that. I don't know. Yeah, I gotta see this. It was oodles of fun, and I remember, man. I remember like. The nostalgia's coming back to me, man. I had that lime green Game Boy Color. I had the Scooby-Doo game in there. It was late in the car, man. I had that little uh, clip-on flashlight, man. It was oh, the fun. worm light. <laughs> That's it. Kids kids nowadays don't understand worm lights. Oh, they're they're blessed with all the backlights now. Right? <laughs> kids have straight-up Netflix and movies and stuff. Even before, even before the worm light, you had to wait for the, the traffic lights and everything like that to light up your screen and stuff. It, it Yo, sucks. 100%, I remember that. Yeah, you have to wait. Yeah, Waiting exactly. for the street light, just being like, come on. <laughs> yeah, come on, man. Drive up or slow down. <laughs> no, dude, Scooby-Doo had so many video games in the late 90s, specifically the early 2000s when we were kids, I guess because of the movies. But yeah, there were three GameCube games. You're right, there was like two games on Game Boy Color a few on Game Boy Advance. Then all of a sudden, there's just nothing. Like, there's yeah. no new Scooby-Doo games. What the heck? <laughs> I blame THQ. Yeah, THQ. We're slowly getting new SpongeBob games now, and so maybe we'll get some new Scoob games too. 
Oh, man, when they released SpongeBob Rehydrated, man. That was sick, yeah. Who's your favorite Scooby-Doo character, though? Do you like Shag and Scoob? Because I know you love to eat, too. Like, you're a huge foodie. So are those your guys, too? Oh, 100%, man. They're just like, they're just like, yo, we're just here for the food, man. So I, <laughs> I like that. I like that. I'm like, I respect that. I, I, can, I can sympathize. I got that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Scooby-Doo is definitely my favorite character. He has to be. I don't know anybody else who says, like, Velma or something like that. Honestly, yeah, like, I'm a Velma fan, but that's she's, right. not, she's not my favorite character. I just like Velma. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Who's your favorite character, though? I'd say Shaggy. Okay. Yeah, yeah but so did this... I'm, 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 I, if it was, like, a Daphne versus Velma, I gotta go Velma. Ooh. Yeah, you wanna know why, man? She, You know what? I, I respect that, because she was, like, she was, honestly, she was the brains. Like, she was, like... Looking at, like, finding all that clues and all that, like, you know, she knew what she was doing. Yeah, and Velma in the Scooby-Doo movie is pretty hot, I gotta say. That too. I, I was gonna <laughs> say, the Scooby-Doo, specifically Scooby-Doo 2, they made her extra hot for some reason. I don't know what was going on there. James Gunn had a vision, though. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Chris, I don't know if you know this, but uh, Scooby-Doo the movie in 2002, James Gunn being the screenwriter, the original Scooby-Doo was supposed to be an R-rated movie. Really? Mm-hmm. I want an R-rated Scooby-Doo film now. Yeah, and so that would be cool they actually had to cut out a lot of the cleavage funny enough in the movie really yeah and they did cgi too to cut it out as well some weird shit that was going on wow i wonder what the idea was before like the rating switch i think the world wants to know so uh we we will wants we will super mario sunshine uh remake into existence so we're gonna will <laughs> the scooby-doo r-rated movie into existence yeah boy <laughs> So Scooby-Doo, like everyone always talks about how like there's they got the van, like Shaggy's a stoner. Did this game get either of you guys into weed? <laughs> or this like did this cartoon, like everyone always says Shaggy's a stoner and they're making they're making drugs in the back. Never got I never saw that until I was older. Have you guys ever heard of the show Harvey Birdman Attorney at Law? Yes, yes. Yeah. I actually mentioned this earlier in the episode because uh, Scooby-Doo uh, was on that as a crossover. Yes, yes. It was awesome because him and Shaggy were uh they were like <laughs> smuggling drugs or something like that. Yeah. Hilarious. Yeah, I didn't notice that until way later. And then in the movie, like, uh, Shaggy's love interest is straight Mary up named Jane. Mary Jane. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And he was like, that's like that's my, my favorite, favorite name. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about Matthew Lillard, the god of Scooby-Doo fans. Oh, the god, sure. yeah. He, he was the best Shaggy by far. That movie is really well casted, you know, for any of its faults. You know, it's sure it's like a campy kind of movie, but it, it's honestly very well casted. I agree. Yeah, I agree. 100%. Like, everyone is is who they should be, basically. Like, that, you know, I see... I, I don't know the actress's name who played Velma, but she was, like, perfect for it. Uh, the girl, uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar, playing uh, Daphne, was fantastic. Yep. Freddie Prince Jr., who I have never heard of since. Like, I don't know if he's done anything after Scooby-Doo, but he was also great for that. Yeah, honestly. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. It was very, very well casted. And then they had Mr. Bean as the bad guy, which was the best. Well, it was, wasn't it Shaggy? Or, sorry. Blah, 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 sorry. Yeah. Uh, Scrappy, Scrappy. Yeah. Scrappy dude. You're right. The ultimate bad guy. Yeah, the ultimate evil little pupper. <laughs> so, apparently the idea to have Scrappy-Doo be like the, the evil kind of villain at the end uh, was because of a lot of, uh, I guess, forums in the 90s. Uh, where people would talk like fan fiction and stuff and talk about how Scrappy-Doo was actually like the mastermind of this whole universe. And it was this fan theory that went on for a long time. There's all kinds of different strands of it. But basically, like some say that it was like the, the gang only existed in Scrappy's mind and stuff like that. <laughs> and so uh, James Gunn kind of picked up on, on that idea. And uh, that was one of the reasons for making Scrappy-Doo the villain. 
I love that. That's amazing. I've never heard of that, but yo, a lot of these fan theories are sick. Yeah, they're, they're awesome, man. It's like Scrappy Doo is like the Thanos of the Scooby Doo universe. Yo, I love that, dude. Yo, yeah. give him the glove. Man. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been the best, man. In like in like Avengers Endgame, if just like the ultimate crossovers, if the Scoob and the gang just come out of one of those rings to fight Thanos too. <laughs> <laughs> That would have been the ultimate. I want to see that uncut version, man. <laughs> right? Where is it? Where is it? <laughs> Just everybody coming out of those rings, man. Chris, it was great to have you on the show, man. Did, did you want to say anything else before we let you go or uh, anything you want to plug? I know that you're you're popular on Instagram these days. Oh, <laughs> No, it's all good. You know what, man? I just wanna, I just wanna wish everybody a happy Halloween, like a spooky season, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. And yeah, you know what? Uh, Mike Lane and Neil Gilbert, some good fellows here. Thank you, thank you, Chris. And uh, yeah, don't forget to go out and vote, Americans, for uh, Scooby Doo <laughs> on the ballots. <laughs> Or Shaggy. Well, Shaggy's Rick? VP, I guess, and Scooby's uh, present. <laughs> yeah, yo, Chris, thank you so much for coming on, man. This has been great. Uh, I, we got to get together again soon once there's restaurants open and we can actually do stuff without dying. Absolutely, yeah. Do stuff without dying, exactly. <laughs> Hell yeah, man. All right, cool. Have a good night, and we'll I'll talk to you soon, bud. All right, take care, guys. All right, bye. See you, Chris. What a nice young man. What a nice young man. That was great to have Chris on, uh, and uh, it's always good to have people come on they don't have to necessarily play the games but just you know know the franchise and, and i'm always interested in people's experiences with uh with things like scooby-doo and you know yeah. where, where that came from and it sounds like chris's mom is who we need to have on this episode mm-hmm. maybe it's not too late we should have had her come down although he doesn't live with his mom anymore so <laughs> it, it would have been ah, we would have had to like send her the the uh the audacity feed and everything and that's fine <laughs> I, would, I, I would have loved to have chris's mom come on and be like you know what uh 70 scooby-doo that's where it's at Mm-hmm. I don't know anybody that I don't know anybody that says like another other than maybe children today. Almost every single Scooby Doo fan that I meet is always they always like the classics the best. Like no one ever says the new ones are better. What's new Scooby Doo came close? I would again, say again they're all kind of the same. So I know. so it's it's hard to and not that that's a bad thing. It's it's pretty hard to make something that good for that long and stay relevant. You know mm-hmm. that's I think that in itself the fact that Scooby Doo is relevant today. Mm-hmm. is is a miracle so let's cover the games that scooby-doo appeared on on the nintendo gamecube shall we uh, i we might as well <laughs> yeah this is this is the point of the podcast <laughs> we don't have a ton to talk about with these games they're they're fun they're not super deep but anyway let's start with scooby-doo night of 100 frights was released on september 16th 2002 the game was developed by heavy iron studios the developers of battle for bikini bottom the classic spongebob game mm-hmm. it was published by thq it's also on playstation 2 and xbox this game rates mostly in the sevens and if you wanted to pick it up today you're looking at about 25 dollars now mike i played this game a long time ago in a galaxy far far away at my cousin's cottage <laughs> uh one summer we went there and this was the game that he the only game he had for some reason was scooby-doo night of 100 frights so this is what we had to play on our free time <laughs> and it's fun like it's a it's a platformer puzzle game yeah, with a good. light light combat and mystery elements like all these games are quick they take seven hours to beat so it's not like you're gonna get a zelda experience out of this but you look at the artwork of the game and this is my favorite artwork of any scooby-doo game on on the console mm-hmm. it's you got shaggy and scooby running away from a bunch of the classic monsters from the, the scooby-doo episodes from the 60s and then the voice actors are all they almost nail the original it's not the original voice cast obviously since this game came out um 30 years later after <laughs> scooby-doo aired on uh, cbs so 
just it's just a, a fantastic love letter to Scooby-Doo uh, in a, on a console generation with kids that hadn't grown up with the cartoon yet. Yeah, so who voiced, because uh, we, we talked earlier, obviously, about uh, voice actors and how we're huge mm-hmm. fans of talking about voice acting. Who voiced sure. the, the people in, uh, in that first game? Yeah, I'm going to talk about the four main voice actors, because obviously there were other voice actors in this game, but we're going to talk about Shaggy, Scooby, Fred, Daphne, and Velma voice actors for sure. the most part. Um, so let's start with uh, Scott Inns, who voiced Scooby-Doo as well as Shaggy. He voices Shaggy and Scooby in a bunch of the late 90s and early 2000s Scooby-Doo films. Mm-hmm. That was kind of his IMDb where I found him most was was with Scooby-Doo. Then we had Frank Welker, who voiced Fred. Now, Frank Welker holds a very special place in my heart because he voices the aliens in the classic Tim Burton film, Mars Attacks. Yes, Mars Attacks obviously is is, is one of your favorites. Uh, and I, that's a great that's a great movie. Dude, we should have a Mars Attacks episode. <laughs> but also the fact that Frank Welker has been the voice of Fred for almost every incarnation of Scooby-Doo ever. Yep. Uh, which is pretty crazy to think about. Almost. Most, most of these voice actors were the Scooby-Doo voice actors after this game. This was kind of the launching point for them. And then they did all the cartoons and movies up until Scoob that yeah. came out in 2019 or 2020. Although Frank Welker did Scoob as well, I think. Did he? Okay, because a few of them got yeah. booted off the uh, the cast. We'll talk about Be- that. In because a- Frank Welker is an original cast member of Scooby-Doo. Wow. He did the 60s. Because I, I always try to remember, I always try and say that, like, that fact, and I can always, I always forget who it is. Mm. I always think it's Shaggy, like Casey, Casey Kasem, Kasem yeah. but it's, 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 but Casey Kasem had a break mm-hmm. uh, in between, which we'll, we'll talk about yes. later. But no, Frank Welker is not in Scoob. Uh, that's Zac Efron. He does Fred. Oh, okay. He's, oh, he's not Fred. Okay. So Frank Welker does basically everything else mm-hmm. in the Scooby-Doo universe. Like he does the crossovers. He does obviously some of the games. Uh, he does, he did the original 60s and 70s series. The golden age. Pretty cool. Like good, good on Fred. Or good on uh, Frank. Good on Frank, who played Fred. And then Scott Inns, who played Shaggy, he was obviously replaced by Matthew Lillard, who was Shaggy in video games, cartoons, and movies from 2002 up until 2019, basically. And that's how most people know him. Mm-hmm. He's just, he is Shaggy. He embodies him. He does. He really does. <laughs> it's, it's, it's creepy. But going on to the back to the voice actors here, with for Daphne, we have Gray Griffin. Uh, Gray Griffin is a singer. She has seven LPs between 2000 and 2007. She's a country singer, um, and she voices Daphne in a lot of the animated Scooby-Doo media up until the 2020 film Scoob. So she was also Daphne in a lot of Scooby-Doo media for almost 20 years. And then the last voice actor on the video game here is uh, BJ Ward, who voices Velma. BJ Ward, she has possibly the most voice acting roles on her IMDb than I have ever seen for a woman, <laughs> at least. Like, dude, if you look her up, she's on everything. Like, it's like Tara Strong level yeah close to it and just small roles but she just is in every single dc and flintstones and jetsons and dozens of roles plus a bunch of video games um but mostly scooby-doo roles is velma hmm. yeah yeah very good cast to start off with this budget title scooby-doo game on the gamecube ps2 and xbox yeah no it's uh i'm i'm pretty impressed to be honest that uh yeah like you said this budget title got a good cast and a a, a relatively well done uh, game i would say it, it really does look like battle for bikini bottom that was the first thing i thought of even when chris came on and he said he was like mentioning that i was like oh yeah yeah like it it really is uh like a spongebob clone in some in some respects or 
maybe SpongeBob is a, a, a Scooby-Doo clone for this. Who knows? Technically, it would be in this case. Who knows what had the engine first? There's no, there's no way of us looking out, uh, looking up what came out first. No, and Scooby-Doo and SpongeBob never crossed over, so they have to be different. <laughs> That's right. I think, I think the developers did use the same engine though for the game, which makes sense. Oh, they, they 100% use the same <laughs> engine. Yeah, that's not even a yeah. Absolutely. One of the really cool things about this game is there are holiday Easter eggs programmed into the game. So if you play the game on specific days of the year, um, and if you're sending your holiday cards to your family, for instance, there's Christmas. Um, it'll be snowing outside of the haunted manor on Halloween. Uh, bats appear on the on the castle. I don't know what they would do differently on Halloween. It's already a, a Halloween game. Uh, yeah. They also have special things on New Year's, like fireworks. There's St. Patrick's Day, Valentine's Day, and the 4th of July. Um, so if you uh, hook up the game on those specific holidays, you'll see some interesting Easter eggs happening when you go outside the mansion, which is just neat, kind of like Animal Crossing. Yeah, I was going to say, this is uh, Animal Crossing's got nothing on Scooby-Doo here. <laughs> Scooby-Doo Nights of 100 Frights. It started it. It started it. <laughs> it's, uh, although Animal Crossing came out a uh, couple years later. Well, let's just let's just forget about it. Well, that. you know... <laughs> Maybe they did think of it first. Who knows? But the plot there's, of this—there's no real way to know. <laughs> no, the plot of this game is just basically a Scooby-Doo episode. Um, in the classic Scooby-Doo formula, there's a ghost uh, or a monster terrorizing a bunch of locals uh, in town. Scoob and the gang are called in to solve the mystery. The game has twelve areas ranging from graveyards to secret labs and fishing villages and haunted mazes. It's—it's it's a Scooby-Doo episode on the GameCube. With this is another one of those games where we had never seen Scooby-Doo in a 3D environment. There was an N64 game, so that's not 100% true. But you definitely see the growing of what a 2D, traditionally 2D cartoon looks like going to 3D. Yeah, and we talked about this a little bit with um, when John came on uh, for the Hit and Run episode, and he was he was mentioning this like with the transitioning to that that 3D mm-hmm. kind of space for The Simpsons. Always, you know, it does feel weird, but if you if you do the game right, you know, and if you you give it a unique you know point of view, then obviously it, it kind of becomes part of part of the lore, I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> Part of like the the identity right. for that, right? So like, uh, Hit and Run obviously did it a little weird because it's very strange to bring a two D cartoon into that three D mm-hmm. world in two thousand two, but it, it, they pulled it off well enough. And uh, even SpongeBob, I think, does it well enough. It, like in my mind, mm-hmm. it it doesn't take away from the cartoon as much because as long as you have good gameplay and good story, nothing else matters, in my opinion. Right, and like the script in this game lines up perfectly with the cartoon. Shaggy's got terrible one-liners, and and Velma has her nerdy comments to make, so it blends in very well with the cartoon. And the environments are all fantastic. One of the things that I love about Scooby-Doo is the art style, like the, the way that shadows are used in blues and purples to make castles and rooms look darker and lighter. Yeah, um, is just fantastic. Mike, you had some facts about the the art style and how it was created for the cartoon, and obviously this was carried over to the video games very well. Did you want to talk about the inspiration for or how the artist came up with the um, the art style for these games and the cartoons? Oh well, yeah, for, I guess for the cartoons. Yeah, because yeah, uh, in in the sixties uh, when kind of everything first started coming out for um for scooby-doo uh there's the art director at hanna barbera iwao uh takamoto mm-hmm. and takamoto was the son of japanese immigrants and he was a teenager uh when he was sent to an internment camp in california uh after the bombing of pearl harbor and he was there for quite a few years uh and uh that's where he learned sketching techniques mm. from uh two of uh, the internees who were actually art directors at mgm and paramount 
uh, I think, you know, kind of people forget that this, like this happened in the U S right. That they set up these internment camps for the Japanese for, for four years, but right. uh, and literally just, if you were Japanese, it didn't matter how high you were in society, everyone went in these, uh, mm-hmm. these camps. And yeah, so from there, he actually learned, you know, a lot of these sketching techniques that were part of uh, Japanese culture, which is, uh, the kind of the watercolors that you see in these paintings. Right. And that's why Scooby-Doo in like the original cartoon is, has a really soft feeling, uh, more than other cartoons. That often went with these hard lines everywhere. Right. And uh, I mean, I don't know if you ever kind of noticed that, Neil, but maybe you notice it by me saying it. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, it, it was kind of this watercolor feel almost that came from this Japanese technique that uh, the guy learned in uh, internment camp. Yeah, there was a lot of like with the Looney Tunes cartoons. I remember the backgrounds looking like paintings and the characters were moving on top, which yeah. is what I think of when I think of cartoons. And then more so with modern day cartoons, I find that they're a lot more harsh now. Just with cartoons on Cartoon Network and YTV, when you see a cartoon today, it doesn't look like a human made it anymore. If that, which is hard, which is harsh to say, because I know that there are humans that work on these shows, but they just look so produced now that it, it just doesn't. I don't see human element in cartoons anymore the way that I no. did in Looney Tunes and Hanna Barbera cartoons. Yeah, because it's almost like a different world. Because yeah, back then it's like this Takamoto, like this was his drawings. Like this is, mm-hmm. it wasn't like sketching and then someone else takes it. Like he was making these. Right. And even like with Scooby-Doo, like the like the actual dog, a lot of people were telling him different ways to draw Scooby-Doo. Uh, at first, Scooby-Doo was supposed to be a sheepdog. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was a couple of, of different iterations. And so when it eventually went on to be Great Danes, Great Danes are, are these very, you know, majestic, uh, you know, dogs. They're, they're not clumsy. Uh, they're not, uh, they're very fast, very large. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it can be kind of scary. Um, and so he tried to draw Scooby-Doo for kids, you know, so he, he drew him big, clumsy, hmm. uh, trying to give the dog more comic potential. You know, the uh, a great, le- great Dane's legs are, are supposed to be very straight, and he always made them bowed. Oh, yeah. He sloped the hindquarters. He made Scooby-Doo's feet extra, extra large. And, yeah, he basically would just would look at these pictures and be like, okay, let's just, like, fix this up, you know. <laughs> Go the opposite way. Give him a hump back, bowed legs, big chin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, even his color, as he says, is, is supposed to be wrong. Where Great Danes are – there's no brown Great Danes. They're often – very dark gray or white uh, or, or black yeah. usually yeah yeah so but they are typically scared dogs like they're always nervous around things they're very timid despite their size yeah, they're, they're not timid. vicious no no they're just but but they they have this kind of proud air uh mm-hmm. uh era to them that uh, he wanted to kind of get rid of with uh, scooby-doo and just making this kind of clumsy oaf almost mm-hmm. that's it's kind of tragic about the way that the art style had to come about with just it came out of a an internment camp. Yeah, because he he did cartoon he did characters because he he worked from Hanna Barbera since 1961, mm. so he drew characters for the Flintstones uh, as well, right? And did a lot other cartoons, obviously. So mm-hmm. uh, that this was his first stab at being an art director for the company. So that's that's pretty cool. Not a bad first attempt, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, honestly. So with that first game, Mike, should we read the back of the case and carry on to the second game? Uh, I think we should. Okay. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I just want to give a brief message from our sponsor for the. Back of the case segment number one. This back of the case segment was brought to you by the sound KD makes when you mix in the cheese. Mm, That's not a real sponsor because it's not a real product. Victor, hit us with that jingle. <laughs> it's time to read what's on the back of the case. There's things written on the back of the case. Let's read them. And now we're reading the back of the case. KD's a real product. <laughs> KD is, but I mean, the sound isn't. <laughs> we could sell it. We can sell it to Kraft. <laughs> Bottled sound. Reggy? Refni? Rilma? Rid? Where are you? actually say that. Yep. <laughs> the Scooby-Doo gang has been kidnapped, and it's up to you and Scooby-Doo to find them. Run, Scoob. 
12 huge levels based on classic Scooby-Doo cartoons. Encounter 20 classic Scooby-Doo villains. All your favorite Scooby-Doo voices, including special guest stars. Where is everyone? Uh, that's 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 how it ends. Where where is everyone? Well, Just... I, those I read everything that's under the pictures. But but does it say where everyone is? Nope. Or or we do, oh we do, we have to play the game. You have to, to play the out. game to find out where everyone is. Uh, that makes sense. Makes a lot of sense. That made me want to buy it. I did buy it from. I bought this game from Value Village for three ninety nine. <laughs> that's a good price. That's what you should be paying for these games. <laughs> Moving on to the second game on the list, which is a little bit more than three ninety nine. Scooby Doo Mystery Mayhem was released on March second, two thousand four. So this is our second Scooby Doo game in about a year and a half. This was developed by Artificial Mind and Movement, also known as Behavior Interactive. They make a lot of Disney games. Published by THQ, also on Xbox and PS2. This game rates in the sixes, so not a great game. And it is priced at about 40 40 to $45 these days. Yeah, that's that's relatively expensive for a Scooby-Doo game. I would say so. I think it's sold better on PS2. I see this game on PS2 all the time, and it's quite a bit Mm. cheaper. But... So this game has the same voice actors as Night of 100 Frights. The only difference is Mandy Cohen took the role of Velma uh, and remained the staple voice actor for Velma in the games and movies up until 2015. She also did voiceover in cartoons such as Dexter's Lab and Kim Possible. Nice. Yeah. Do you know who she played in Dexter's Lab? Was it Dee Dee? No, it wasn't. It wasn't one of the main characters. It was like a one episode off thing. Oh. But we love Dexter's Lab, so I had to fit that in there. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, this is the one Scooby-Doo game from our list today that I have not played, so I don't have... Wow. <laughs> yeah, it happened. I thought I had all the Scooby-Doo games. So now, is this the game that has the laugh track in it as well on the cutscenes, or is that the other game? That's the other game. I remember okay. it was in Scooby-Doo Nights of 100 Frights, and I thought it was in the next game we're talking about, Scooby-Doo Unmasked. So okay. it might have been in all of them then, now that you're mentioning it, because the games are meant to be... You're playing the old show, not what's new yes. Scooby-Doo or the movies or anything. It just is very strange to have laugh tracks in games. Yes. It threw me off. Obviously, I, I watched a lot of footage of uh, all three of these games before we uh, before we, I came on the episode today. But um, yeah, that really threw me off. I was like, what uh, is this? Like, did, did someone put this on YouTube? Like, did someone <laughs> like, uh, like overlay this? But no, I guess that's in the game. Uh, but because of the, yeah, because of the, the original show. The original show. Yeah, I did. I forgot that they had removed the laugh track. I love the laugh track in the original Scooby-Doo. And I'm trying to think of another video game that does a laugh track. The closest thing I can think of would be like Smash Bros, which has the audience chanting and they... They boo and they cheer and and they chant your name when you're winning, but they don't have laughs. I'm trying to think of another. Can you think of another video game that does laugh tracks? Yeah, I was I was trying to think while you were saying that. Uh, I don't know of any video game who has that. Is there a is there an Everybody Loves Raymond video game that we have? <laughs> yeah, if uh, if if anyone out there wants to uh, do some research uh, for us, uh, <laughs> uh, check out try and try and find a video game that has a laugh track in it. I'm not sure how to find that but uh, there's a database somewhere that has that we also have our followers on instagram that could reach out to us if they know of any i'd love to know maybe there's something I'd, there's probably something on the dreamcast uh, gotta I, be. I, I hope so but uh yeah the, if, if anything it's on the dreamcast but the plot of this game is once again a very true to form scooby-doo episode scoob and the gang discover someone has released thousands of real ghosts and monsters from a magical book called the tomb of doom is that Eternal Darkness? It sounds like Eternal Darkness. <laughs> it's the plot of Eternal Darkness. They race to solve mysteries and put the monsters back. Uh, so it's basically the plot of Scooby-Doo 2, Monsters Unleashed, uh, and Eternal Darkness huh. mixed together. Uh, by the way, uh, Mystical Ninja starring Gomon, the N64 game uh, from 1998, has the laugh track. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. I don't think anybody played that because it's an RPG on the N64. <laughs> that's, uh, that's at least one of them. Also a game called God Hand. God Hand. Is that also on N64? I don't know. 
Okay. <laughs> it doesn't say. Uh, <laughs> no, it's a PlayStation 2 beat-em-up. Oh, okay. I was thinking of God... Something else doesn't matter. It's, it's Capcom. Ah, good for them. This was between Resident Evil games, I suppose. Yeah, it's, so the desire was to create a game for hardcore gamers intermixed with a large amount of comic relief uh, that uh, had a very mixed response. I think that the worst thing a video game company can do is say this game is for hardcore gamers. It is. It, it, that is literally the worst thing. This is why Xbox doesn't sell. Uh, Xbox One hasn't sold that well. Yeah, when you say it's for hardcore gamers, hardcore gamers will instantly just jump on it and say why it's not for them. <laughs> They'll look for reasons for why it's not. That's very true. It's it's annoyingly true. <laughs> I'm not a hardcore gamer. Everyone likes gamer. to be a contrarian. Yeah, but if you're a PC gamer, because those are probably what most people consider the hardcore gamer, are the PC guys who are on their beautiful computers that run everything in, in a half a second and it's 60 frames smooth. If you instantly say that a console is for hardcore gamers, you are setting yourself up to die. <laughs> yeah. Because that hardware is already five years old and those PC gamers already moved on from that tech long time ago. Yeah. Very hmm. fair. All right, let's move on to the last game. But first, let's read the back of the case for Scooby-Doo Mystery Mayhem, shall we? Let's do it. Okay, this back of the case segment was brought to you by Wink Yahoo, the host of the 90s game show Uh-Oh. He's a big inspiration to me. He had crazy hair, kind of like Kramer. Oh, my God, yeah, Uh-Oh. That's, uh, I had, I got a good, I got a story of Uh-Oh. Okay. I, I had a neighbor who went on Uh-Oh when he was, like, I guess what? in 2000 or so. <gasps> And he had his uh oh shirt that he got from it, obviously. He wore that uh oh shirt every day for at least five years after that. Like I would too. I I never saw him without that uh oh shirt. And ev his story for every every time he would meet anyone would be like, I was on uh oh. That's a great conversation starter. Yeah, I got really old really fast. But... Oh, he didn't get laid that like he didn't get laid every time he said it. Well, he was also <laughs> I think like nine because <laughs> it was in two thousand two or whatever. Yeah, and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that uh, I just always remember that. That's what I associate uh oh with all the time is is my neighbor who was on it. Oh, I used to love shirt. that show. The host was fantastic. And that's why he is giving us money to read this. I had no idea that he had a name. So <laughs> Yep. Wink Yahoo. He's not really giving us money. We just like to have a fake ad. Is his birth name Wink Yahoo? Yeah, his, he was christened Wink. <laughs> Last name Yahoo. <laughs> I dubbed the... Wink, Winkford Yahoo the third. Sir Winkford Yahoo the third. Real braggy, Mystery Inc. is back to solve a caper of supernatural proportions. A mysterious villain is using an ancient book, The Tomb of Doom, to unleash some of the creepiest creatures the gang has ever met. Will you help our heroes for a Scooby snack? Switch between Scooby and Shaggy with the touch of a button. Capture the ghosts with the Tomb of Doom. Zoinks. Let's get out of here, Scoob. Solve puzzles. Look, search for clues and explore five huge new environments. Hide from monsters using disguises. That was not in the original, like, Scooby-Doo show when Shaggy and Scooby dressed up in, in weird disguises. That was, like, a season two thing. Oh, really? When they started doing Yeah, I don't think I was in the first... They hid. Yeah, they, they didn't dress hid. up as things. <laughs> yeah, they just did a lot of hiding and, and running, but they didn't actually, like, dress up in costumes. I remember there were a lot of weird, subtle changes. Like, most people think of the Scooby-Doo running in and out of the rooms. Yeah. You can picture it. That's not until, I think, season two or three of the original show. It's oh, not an original thing. Yeah, there's a lot of things that you think of Scooby-Doo-isms that weren't in the first season. They came later. I mean, that's but... that's usually the, you know, that's what happens with shows, right? Is that they, they develop, mm -hmm. they get better. Yep, just like our show. <laughs> exactly. Just like our show. But uh, how, how much do you want to bet that the next game, Back of the Case, will also have like a, oh, Scooby, or a, uh, oh, Shaggy, or like a, uh, like Zoinks to start it off? I'm gonna I'm gonna not take that bet because I think you're absolutely 100 <laughs> correct. Uh, yeah, they have their uh, they have the catchphrases for Scooby Doo really are like more on point than any other franchise I can think of. Yeah, I can't think of anything else that translates well to text 
for a cartoon. Yeah. Um, like SpongeBob would have had "Are You Ready, Kids?" or something. Yeah, like that. yeah, but like it's nothing. It's it's not. The you same. can't put that in writing without making it sound. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Let's move on to the third game for this episode, and then we'll put it to bed. Scooby-Doo Unmasked was released on September 12th, 2005. This game was also developed by Artificial Mind and Movement, published by THQ. This game they started to release on more hardware with the PS2, Xbox, Game Boy Advance, and DS. Also, this game rates in the sixes, so it's not a great game, and it's priced, again, at $25. It has the exact same voice cast as Mystery Mayhem, so no new actors or anything here. This is a game that I bought... Uh, when I was 12 years old for my birthday, I got some EB Games gift cards and I went right to EB Games and bought this game that I had seen on the shelf for weeks. <laughs> Surprisingly, no one was buying it. And I picked it up and I played this game to death. I absolutely adored it. This is the Scooby-Doo game in my mind. Yeah. It's, a, again, a short game. It's only about seven hours. But in my head, I played it for weeks. <laughs> I think I played it twice. But it's just a puzzle platformer. You play as Scooby the entire time. You're going around this mansion. You go into weird areas. I remember there's like a water slide thing. You go to the graveyard. You go to labs. And you fight bats and zombies. And you have costumes that give you special power-ups. So it's made the game a lot more dynamic than other games that I had been playing at the time. So... It's just a fun game. I don't know if I'd recommend picking it up today. I tried going back to it this week, and it was tough, <laughs> which is sad. I, I, I will say, uh, for the three games, uh, this one looks a lot better than the first game, I would say, in terms of graphics. Mm-hmm. It, it looks yeah, they, like, it, I think it's, what, two years on? And, and, and it looks like they, they bumped it up significantly. Yeah, three years later, they knew what they were doing with the engine at this point. Yeah. They made it look a little bit more cel-shady. Yeah, I think they realized that yep. the GameCube is is better for cel-shaded games. Uh, mm-hmm. And so they went that route, which is, I guess, why it looks nice when I was watching gameplay of it. Yeah, I'm looking at the back of the cases side by side right now, and Scooby looks a lot more cel-shaded. The costumes pop a little bit more. The outfits yeah. look more just brighter than the original one. So they they made it almost mix more with the modern cartoons, like what's new Scooby-Doo, with the old art style of the the faded backgrounds and the purples and the blues, kind of a mix of old and new. Yeah, I mean, I think that's what, that's what you have to go for for these games. Like, it's it's hard to make cartoon games good. All these games that we're going to be we're going to be talking about a lot of cartoon games coming up on this podcast in future episodes. There are over 40 to 50, you know, of these of these games that came out for the GameCube during this time, and I'm sure there's lots more for other consoles uh, mm-hmm. that were coming out. And you know, it, it, it's so hard to do these games well uh, because you're not given a huge budget. Uh, and you're really pressed for time to kind of put these out almost annually, you know, at this point in, in the gaming industry's history. And so there, there's very few games that can really match a hit and run, uh, type. Mm -hmm. It's, it's too bad because you really have to be all in on a game. But like Mm -hmm. we said in the hit and run episode, it's, it's really not worth it for, for them to do that. You know, it's, it's much more financially worth it to just put a game out quickly, go the next one. Even if they're not great games, which is sad, but it's true. Hit and Run is probably one of the few exceptions of a movie or a cartoon tie-in where they put a production behind it trying to get gamers in who don't necessarily like Simpsons. Yeah. I can think of maybe GoldenEye being the only other example of that. Maybe Spider-Man 2. I th- Just being I games think, that... I think those ones accidentally got it, right? Yeah. You know... Yeah, it's not like they were trying. They just happened to stumble across making this game that's similar enough to what they're trying to copy, like with Grand Theft Auto, that they just made a game that's mechanically fun to play and happens to be a Simpsons game. Yeah, exactly. Like, and that's, that, that was, that was the main part of it, right? And also getting, getting the full cast, getting the writers, getting everyone on board, doing mm-hmm. it like it is like a, a season almost, right? Uh, and so that's, that's something that is really, 
really tough to do, especially for a franchise like Scooby-Doo, which Scooby-Doo's whole existence is based off of just licensing itself out. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Really, right? So it's, uh, yeah. It's sad. But yeah, like you said, how there's, you know, 40 to 50 cartoon games, and then there's probably another 100 movie tie-in <laughs> games. I don't know if you were including those games in that no, I number, wasn't, but yeah. yeah, you're right. So it's over 100 games of just games that are based on movies and cartoons that these developers weren't, they're not making Scooby-Doo unmasked thinking, how can we compete with Zelda? They're just thinking like, how can we make a game that Scooby-Doo fans will like? And that's all it's trying to be. It's not trying to be anything more. They're not trying to go for game of the year or they're not trying to get into 1001 video games you must play before you die. They're I looked, existing. it wasn't there. <laughs> oh, no, I'm not shocked. They're just trying to, they're just trying to make something that, Will a Scooby-Doo fan play this? Not necessarily will a gamer play this. Will a gamer give up playing League of Legends to play this Scooby-Doo game? That's not what they're trying to. That's not what they're trying to do, and that's fine. I'd like to talk about some fun facts of Scooby-Doo. Uh, fun oh Scooby. Fun Scooby facts. Scooby. Scooby facts. Would you do it for a Scooby facts? <laughs> I, I I will. Mm-hmm. If you could send one over, that'd be great. Okay, I will. Uh, well, first of all, from that, uh, Scooby snacks were often thought to be pop brownies. Uh, that's kind of mm. been the the conspiracy for a long time, uh, which is always kind of cool. If we're going to talk more about conspiracies, a lot of people think that Fred and Shaggy are actually draft dodgers, and uh, they are always evading police and evading uh, people, <laughs> and that's why they never call the police. <laughs> uh, that's uh, another uh, good theory is that uh, Scooby Doo is set in a post apocalyptic America. Uh, where like I guess most people have died because most of the time they are in these uh, d- like deserted towns or very few people are there. They're always in these like haunted amusement parks that have been shut down or just uh, are dilapidated. That's... I was going to say it's always it's always night, it's always foggy, and there's yep. always villages with two people in them. So that stacks up. That makes sense. Right, I like that one a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Uh, there's yeah, there's tons of other conspiracy theories uh, here. Uh, Shaggy and Scooby were kind of based off of uh, Abbott and costello uh mm. the kind of the comedy films of them back in the 40s uh, okay. which makes sense because it, it, the idea was that these these shows were supposed to be these like almost like radio mystery shows that's where the idea came from sure I, and it makes sense right these radio mystery shows were very basic you know you mm-hmm. just kind of had like something going on it was like the same kind of episode format every time yeah monster of the week thing yeah exactly exactly a monster of the week thing right uh scooby's original name was too much that was i don't know where that came from like like the name was too much yeah that was his name was too much the the name scooby-doo was actually just for the show at first because scooby-doo came from the frank sinatra version of strangers in the night ah and uh he uh, used to kind of whenever he would sing it uh sing it going like uh scooby-dooby-doo at the end because he didn't want to say the lyrics Mm, yeah, kind of like that scatting. Yeah, exactly scatting. Yeah, right. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so that was just the original name of the show, and then they put Scooby Doo as the name of, of the dog. Better choice. Better choice, uh, <laughs> because the idea was that Too Much was going to be a sheepdog who played bongos uh, in a rock band called Mysteries Five, <laughs> with the kids originally called Jeff, Kelly, Linda, and WW. Oh, that would have been terrible. <laughs> but of course, they became Daphne, Fred, Velma, and Norville Rogers. Mm. which we love did you find out when they changed that to shaggy or uh well it was always it's always been norval and the shaggy was just his nickname uh the oh, the okay. idea was that he was like a beatnik who came from like a higher class family i was gonna say shaggy definitely came from wealth yes yeah 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 and it, and and it kind of represented the 60s at that time right uh you know kind of the tune in drop out uh culture yeah mm-hmm. love that but yeah i mean that's that's just 
one of a few facts that I, I have on um, on Scooby-Doo, the, the franchise. It's it's so interesting. The last thing I'll say here is um, we mentioned Casey Kasem earlier on the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, Casey Kasem obviously uh, voiced Shaggy for basically his entire life. Uh, mm-hmm. He was Shaggy for almost everything. Same with Frank Welker. But there was a little snag in that where Casey uh, did not voice um, uh, Shaggy from 1997 to 2002. And that was because Casey is a devout vegan who supports animal rights. And he quit voicing Shaggy in 1997 for a couple of reasons. But one of them was because he was asked to appear as him in a Burger King commercial, uh, prompting him to ask, why does he always have to eat burgers? Why does he always have to eat meat? Uh, and uh, Billy West ended up taking over from 1997 to 2002. Uh, so Shaggy became a vegetarian in the movie because of that. Uh, Casey Kasem negotiated to have him become a vegetarian so that he would come back in 2002. I remember reading that too. And it's just so strange to think like, it's just one of those things about voice actors that you remember. You're all of a sudden you snap into reality. Like, oh, these people have lives. Yeah. Like right? they're, they do have to disconnect from their job. It's a job. They have to disconnect from it every so often. It's like if you're working at KFC and you're a vegan, eventually you're going to quit that job too. Like it's just... yeah. Shaggy's probably the ultimate foodie. Shaggy and Scooby being the ultimate foodies, and they eat tons of meat. And if this guy's a vegan, that's not going to fly for a vegan, yeah. especially if he's devout. You know, he's a hypocrite otherwise. And yeah, I get it. I get it for sure. It's like it's just so funny. Oh, to it's think so about. funny to think he was like on set and being like, yeah. "It's like why does he have to?" In Shaggy's be? voice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, funny enough, that's where the um, I guess one more fact, uh, the the famous line that Velma always has, you know, my glasses, my glasses, I can't see mm-hmm. without my glasses. So that actually happened at a table read. The actress who played uh, Velma in the original um, show, uh, she actually dropped her glasses at the table mm-hmm. read, and uh, and just like. To be funny, in Velma's voice, she was like, "My glasses, I can't see." And, and, that stuck. and then they, 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 they were, everyone was laughing. It's like, put that in. <laughs> yeah, no, and it became one of her one of her things. Mm-hmm. Hmm. But yeah, I, I got a lot of this information from a amazing article, very long but amazing article from the Telegraph uh, in 2019, okay. uh, written by Martin Chilton. So I recommend anyone. Uh, look out for that interesting and also there's a ton of interesting facts about the scooby-doo movies and video games oh yeah i mean with all the james gunn stuff that has recently come out with it being uh, Mm r-rated that is that is not a joke that is a real thing so uh definitely check out some crazy reddit posts about that (laughs) yeah that movie is as a kid it's hilarious but then when you as you get older there's some weird things in it and you can see just you can see what kind of got cut out you know it must have been very strange to have been on that set i can imagine yes yes (laughs) yeah (laughs) All right, let's read the back of the case for this last game, and then we'll close out the episode. Who's this brought to you by? Mike, this back of the case segment is brought to you by Ask Jeeves, the best fictional valet on the internet. Is he still around? No, he's there's, yes. no, there's no way. In the UK, I believe only. Mm. He's in, you can use Ask Jeeves. I remember when we got the internet back in the, might have been the year 2000, uh, I used Ask Jeeves for school projects. Of course. I, I think uh, I think all kids our age probably did. Yep. Uh, th- that and uh, we also went on the genie. Uh, dot com. Mm. I, I don't know mm-hmm. if you remember the genie. I do. I went back there. He still exists. It's a little different he, now, but he still does exist. It's a little different. <laughs> he's gotten older. Google now. Yeah, he's gotten older. Google's kind of punched his teeth out. Well, but... well, no, but his whole thing was that you have to guess. You know, he has to make you. Uh, you know, you know, trying to make him guess like who you're thinking of. Oh, him. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. yeah. And right. uh, and he would always get it, and he's still pretty good. He still gets it. I I mm-hmm. I tried to get him to guess uh, some obscure Scooby Doo characters. So. 
Yeah, we tried to stump him. We played that game at New Year's a few years yeah, ago. And, yeah. yeah, but Ask Jeeves and Clippy from Microsoft off uh, Microsoft Word are now sharing a basement apartment somewhere in the west end of Toronto, I can only imagine right now, because they don't exist on the internet anymore. <laughs> that, Clippy's got to be around, though, somewhere. That's nice him and Clippy are, are, are hanging out. It's good It's good to have a friend. Clippy should make a comeback. I could see Clippy making a comeback. I'm going to bet some money that Clippy's coming back in the next decade. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> You're like, that's a big time frame. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, we'll still be podcasting then, so let's see. Unmask the mystery. Uh-oh. Oh, it didn't It didn't start with... Nope, with, it wow. didn't start with a uh-oh. It, Damn it. it. I almost made five bucks there. <laughs> Fred's cousin Jed is nowhere to be found. His animatronic monsters have gone haywire and are attacking everyone in sight. It's up to Scooby-Doo and Mystery Inc. to stop the creepy costume creatures. Ooh. And find Jed before it's too late. Fred's cousin Jed. That's that's a mm-hmm. reach at a, at a at a plot line. That's 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 textbook writing right there, Mike. <laughs> you know, make him his cousin or something. I don't know. Something better than that, though. So everybody good with cousin? Cousin Jed. Yeah. <laughs> Believable. Cousin Jed, not related to friend of the show Jed. I don't want to spend any more than two minutes on this decision. <laughs> Mike, before we close out the show, I want to ask you one very important question from the Scooby-Doo history. What is your favorite or who is your favorite villain from the Scooby-Doo franchise? Do you have one? I'll start if you want to take a moment. Yeah. Give, give me a moment to, to look up my the, the villain so I can jog my memory. I, I think I know which one, mm-hmm. but uh, you, you go first. Okay, so my the villain that comes to my mind automatically is always the Black Knight, just because that's the first episode. That's the episode I've seen the most. He's in the movies. So that that's who I think of as being the Scooby-Doo villain, kind of like the Green Goblin to Spider-Man. But my favorite villain aesthetically is Captain Cook, K-O-O-K. Yep. He's a lot like Earthworm Jim. He's basically a skull in a spacesuit. He just looks really cool. Would have made a great action figure. He's got like yellow glowing eyes. I'd be horrified if I saw that in the woods at night. Most Scooby-Doo characters I don't find scary. Obviously, but this one I would if I pictured him being real. Maybe if he had a little bit like longer arms, I would have found him even more terrifying. But Captain Cook would be my answer for my my favorite villain from the Scooby-Doo cartoon. Nice. So my favorite is the mummy and I couldn't remember what his name is. And it's uh, uh, it's the mummy of Anka. And uh, yeah, he's in quite a few episodes. But, okay. uh, oh yeah, of course. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know. I didn't know what it was actually called. I just know it was the mummy. <laughs> I, was <a> <laughs> I think as a kid, I liked mummies as well. So I, I always, mm-hmm. I think the mummy was probably my favorite just because he was in multiple episodes, but, uh, I also liked, uh, Redbeard. There's Redbeard's ghost. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. which I remember from the, uh, Scooby-Doo, where are you? Mm-hmm. I think I'm trying to remember other ones. I remember this is now I'm not I'm not looking at anything. I'm just trying to. Yeah, we're going off script here. Sure. There's a robot that was yes. really, really creepy. And it was an yes. amusement park, right? Mm-hmm. Like, You're correct. In a roller coaster place. Yeah. His name was I'm looking it up. I have to Charlie the robot. Oh, okay, well, I, <laughs> I didn't. I, yeah, I didn't he had a name. He had a real name. Foul Play in Funland is the name of the episode. Because that's that's in the old one, right? Like that's an old. Yes. Okay, that's the original one. Yeah, that that was a weird. It was almost like something from the Jetsons that like didn't make it, you know? Yeah, and he was animated strangely because he moved so much yeah. faster than everything else on screen, so it was off-putting. It was almost like a pre-Terminator. That's kind of what I like thought. I I think of it as. Kind of. They just took the term, or they took Charlie, is his name. They took him and they slowed him down. <laughs> yeah, as, as as you can tell, Scooby-Doo was never great at naming villains. Nope, not at all. They had Minor 49er, which I think was one of the better ones. Yeah, I guess the one that's in the most episodes is the Creeper. 
that a lot yes. of people think of. Yeah, he's like a zombie. Yeah, and that's, again, a terrible name. <laughs> <laughs> and then there was the phantoms, the kind of ghost things with the glowing faces and the pointy fingers. Those were good, too, in the sheets. But in terms of Scooby-Doo video games, I think we've seen the end of the heyday. I don't think we're going to get scooby-doo games every single year like we did in the early 2000s scooby-doo no (laughs) no. we might get some remakes of these games which i also think isn't going to happen but it's unfortunate we'll see scooby-doo probably appear in other games like lego dimensions where it's just an element of the game maybe he'll show up in a kart racer but uh, i think the days of getting scooby-doo games are long over i'm glad that we still get the occasional movie but for the future of the franchise i think it'll just continue to get rebooted the cartoon i mean And we'll occasionally get a low-budget animated or, my preference, a live-action Scooby-Doo film. Yes. uh, I think a live-action Scooby-Doo film can happen again. Absolutely. Especially because I think I've noticed recently in the last couple years that the original Scooby-Doo has been kind of festering almost in the minds of, of people our age mm-hmm. uh like or sorry the the, the live action movies I should say uh right. you, you hear about it a lot more than I think you did like five six years ago so um I don't know why that is I don't have a reason I just hear about it a lot more than I used to <laughs> yeah it's like what you're saying the people that like us that watch the movie are now grown up and we're the ones making movies shaggy was a meme a couple of years ago with mortal kombat like he yeah. was the number one voted choice to be in the new mortal kombat <laughs> yeah. game which was that awesome. was really good yeah it shows up as memes all the time yeah so may- maybe that'll be enough to warrant a movie yeah but it has to appeal i think to our age category as well which i don't think the new movie did well enough no. appeal to the adult audience it's clearly just a kid's film but so neil i do have a question for you of these oh. three games uh mm-hmm. what game would you recommend the listeners to pick up or if any yeah i highly recommend people pick up scooby-doo unmasked because that's the game that i played the most i think it's a lot of fun i think putting on costumes as scooby to get special powers is a lot of fun almost like mario odyssey where you take control of specific characters scooby gets into the role of being a a batman like character or robin hood and it's just a fun way to explore the scooby-doo universe it's a quick game you can play it in a weekend and forget about it the next day but for me, myself personally, I am now on the hunt for Scooby-Doo Mystery Mayhem mm-hmm. since I don't own it. Yeah, of course. Yeah. No, I, I mean, Scooby-Doo Mass definitely seems like the uh, yeah, probably the best choice. in that, that franchise. But yep. uh, How about you, Mike? Are any of these games appealing to you now, now that we've covered them? Do you think you might pick one up if you saw one for cheap, or would you just skip it, being a, being a casual <sighs> Scooby-Doo fan? I would probably just skip it, just because yeah. I, I am a casual Scooby-Doo fan, and I enjoy the, the movies and the... the the TV shows and even the comic books uh, more than than the games. So yeah, I would probably just skip it. But uh... that's fair enough. Yeah. So uh, okay. Neil, uh, thanks so much for coming on the show as our as our second guest today. Oh uh, yeah, thank you, Mike, for having me. Yeah, I really appreciate uh, you coming on and uh, talking about Scooby Doo. Uh, mm-hmm. You you were the first person I thought of to bring on the episode. So well, that's good. I've only known you for twenty years, and I only talk to you about Scooby Doo every time we hang out. Mm-hmm. So well, thanks so much, Neil, and uh, we'll see you later. Okay, talk to you later, Mike. <laughs> All right. So that was Neil on for the last hour to talk about Scooby-Doo. <laughs> and the 23 episodes before that. <laughs> and to close up this episode, we're going to talk about uh, the next episode 25, our silver anniversary here, will be a Metroid Prime. Ooh. Considered by most and a lot of people to be one of the greatest games ever released on any console. I think Metroid mm-hmm. Prime has... A special place in a lot of people's hearts. I have played Metroid Prime. I am not a big Metroid, I guess, fanboy. I think Metroid Prime is an unbelievable game, uh, but uh, I don't know as much about it as, uh, as someone like Neil. Uh, mm-hmm. So uh, Neil will definitely be talking a lot uh, about this game. We're also going to have a friend of the show on too, and uh, maybe some couple friends to uh, talk about this AAA masterpiece. 
Yeah, no, I've played Metroid Prime. I've played Metroid Prime 2, and I didn't play 3. I've played Metroid Prime once. I think it's a great game, like Mike said. I much prefer the 2D Metroid games, but I'm very excited to cover Metroid Prime since, of course, it is one of the best sci-fi games of all time and one of the best GameCube games on everybody's top 10 GameCube list. So I'm very excited to be a guest on next week's episode as well. Mike, thank you so much for inviting me back on such short notice. I really appreciate the repeat service. Yeah, I thought I thought we have to, you know. Mm-hmm. You're here, you might as well. I am here. I am. <laughs> yes, I'm always here. I'm never going. I'm existing. So. <laughs> For now, I am on this mortal coil. Yes. Uh, all right. Well, I uh, hope everyone has a great rest of their week. Don't remember. Uh, don't forget to go out and vote. Uh, Scooby-Doo and Shaggy 2020. Yep. Yeah, and everybody, happy Halloween. Have a safe and happy night, depending on what you're doing. If they're trick-or-treaters out, have a great time. And if you're listening to this on October 29th, when this episode goes live, and you follow us on Instagram, don't forget to DM us. It is my birthday on uh, October 30th. So send me some birthday wishes, damn it. Yeah, this is this is the birthday episode for Neil. I forgot to. I forgot we didn't mention this at all this whole time. Care. Have a happy, happy Scooby-Doo birthday, Neil. Thanks. I'm so glad we could do this episode right before my birthday. It was a lot of fun. It was perfect. Anyway, yeah. Take care, everybody. See you later. Bye.